Start your morning with the CNN Daily News Briefing. In just three minutes, we'll tell you about the stories that are making headlines around the world. To listen, tell your smart speaker to play the CNN Daily News Briefing or find us in your favorite podcast app. Good evening. Tonight, some unsettling truths about the coronavirus. Last night, at about this time, there were 3,386 cases in this country and 65 deaths. Tonight, by CNN's count, more than 1,000 more new cases reported, 4,412 and 81 deaths, all in just one 24-hour period. That is unprecedented for this country. We also heard an admission from President Trump today that this pandemic will not be over anytime soon. Could go on until at least July or August, he said. Markets, markets again, fell dramatically today. The Dow down nearly 3,000 points, his biggest one-day drop ever despite emergency measures taken by the Federal Reserve on Sunday, or perhaps even in lieu of them, because of them. Today, the president also made this admission when asked if the economy is headed today toward a recession. He responded, quote, it may be. Fear gripping the markets. Also, worries aboard a JFK flight this evening grounded on the tarmac, as we've learned the captain is believed to have coronavirus. We'll have more on that in a moment. As Washington works on a relief bill, the White House Coronavirus Task Force issued new guidelines today to combat the spread of the coronavirus. Among other actions, they asked everyone who can particularly older Americans to stay home. Critically, they say to avoid gatherings in groups of more than 10, not the 50 that were recommended just yesterday, but 10. Heeding the words of state and local officials is actually number one on that list of guidelines issued today. New Jersey mobilized the National Guard today, instituted a curfew of 8 p.m., Pennsylvania's governor has ordered a statewide shutdown. Six counties in the San Francisco Bay Area have issued a shelter-in-place order, which means that residents have to stay at home. It's similar to something that Italy, Spain, and now France have instituted. The president also said he's not looking at a nationwide quarantine, contrary to an Internet rumor, but he did say that isolated ones in certain areas of the country may occur. But But all in all, it was a sobering list of guidelines for all of Americans as the reality of this virus has hit and hit hard. Erica Hill starts us off in Times Square for a look at the impact there and across the country. Erica, pretty dramatic shift in American life today. Uh, there certainly is. And here in Times Square, anybody who's ever seen a picture of Times Square knows that it is normally bustling, certainly at this hour of the day with tourists, but also with folks who work in the buildings all around this area. Throughout the day, it has been quiet. A few more people trickling in this evening. But this really illustrated of what is changing around the country. And as you said, Anderson, many of those changes coming at the local and state level. An eerily quiet Times Square. The latest reminder that life today is different and will be for some time. This afternoon, we're announcing new guidelines for every American to follow over the next 15 days. Avoid gathering in groups of more than 10 people. Avoid discretionary travel. The guidelines were announced on the heels of several states enacting new operating hours and restrictions for restaurants and bars, now shifting to takeout only. Many people will get in their car and they'll drive to Connecticut to go to a bar, which is the last thing we want. Movie theaters, gyms and casinos will be closed indefinitely. And New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio made it clear more changes could be coming to his city. I have been asked repeatedly, are we considering travel restrictions? Are we considering curfews? We are considering everything is the answer. Every option, every tool is on the table. We will decide in turn, when we want to employ each. 
The Surgeon General warns decisions made today uh, will determine much of what happens big, tomorrow. We have a choice to make. Do we want to really lean into social distancing and mitigation strategies and flatten the curve, or uh, do we just want to keep going on with business as usual and end up being Italy? For millions of families starting the week with children at home, it is far from business as usual. Parents are learning to teach while also trying to work. It would not surprise me at all if schools did not open again this year. Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie calling on the president to close all schools nationwide through May 11th. Ohio announced tomorrow's primary will now be held in June. Life on hold and nearly every industry bracing. Concert tours, sporting events, daycare, businesses large and small in limbo. Walmart is cutting back hours to give stores a chance to restock the shelves. While markets ration some of the most sought after items, including milk and cleaning products. Were you able to get everything that you needed this morning? Almost. Doctors are increasingly concerned about their own supplies, including the nation's stock of life-saving ventilators. The president today recommended states find those supplies on their own rather than wait for the federal government. Uh, and Eric is there. Erica, when you recorded that, Ohio had talked about delaying it. They've now said that they are going to go ahead uh, tomorrow with voting. How are hospitals in New York handling the rise in, in cases? So this is a major concern for the mayor, and today he addressed that. He actually called this a race against time, Anderson. He said they're expediting discharges, they're canceling elective surgeries across the city, bringing new facilities online, and even retrofitting some facilities that have nothing to do with health care, in the words of the mayor. He's asking for some military medical units to be brought in to help out as well, and offered a, a very stern warning to residents of New York City, saying if you don't need to go to the emergency room, don't, that there will be people outside, they will be checking, and if it's not an urgent need, you could be turned away, Ederson. Yeah, and uh, in fact, uh, what also medical professionals are saying is that if you can stock up uh, in a reasonable way on whatever medications you need on a daily basis, that's a good idea. If you can get, you know, two or three months supply, therefore you don't have to go into the pharmacies, you don't have to uh, keep uh, keep going back and, uh, and occupying time. Uh, Erica, thanks very much for this. I'm joined now by CNN's chief medical correspondent, Dr. Sanjay Gupta, former Baltimore health commissioner, Dr. Lena Wen who's also an emergency room uh, physician. Uh, Sanjay, so the C, uh, according to CNN, cases of the virus now rose by almost 1,000 in the last 24 hours, more than 4,000, meaning people are being tested, and now we know more about cases, not that those cases just suddenly, you know, uh, came to, uh, came to got, got transmitted yesterday, today. Uh, last Monday, the cases were somewhere just over 500. Uh, I, I, that is, I just want to make sure I am correct that this is just because people are being tested now more. I think so. I mean, we expected part. the numbers to go up when, when, as the testing went up for sure. And one thing to keep in mind as well, Anderson, you know, the time from exposure to the time someone actually develops the, uh, you know, would test positive uh, is usually about five days on average. So, right, so there, there, this is a little bit uh, behind the curve, if you will. We're, we're catching people a few days after their exposure on average. But yes, I think testing is going to in cause these numbers to go up for some time now. Dr. Wynn, the president today said that life may not return to normal until July or August. Uh, Dr. Fauci indicated that they're, you know, they're going to reassess how these new guidelines are working in 15 days. It sounds like uh, it's certainly going to be an in incremental process. This, I think a lot of people are hanging on to this notion of, oh, well, this is a 15-day period in which we're going to have to stay at home. It's a 15-day period that life is going to be interrupted in this way. The truth is we really do not know how long this is going to go. 
That's exactly right. We have no idea what the trajectory of this disease is going to be. Part of it depends on how we react to it. Are we able to implement these social distancing measures? Are hospitals mm-hmm. able to do their part to increase capacity? We have to see how all of this goes. But I do think that there was a change in tone today, again, from the president, that in his press conferences, he's gotten progressively more serious. And today, for the first time, he talked about millennials and young people. And it's not just, well, young and healthy, you don't worry about it, but actually it's young and healthy. We need you to be part of this too. Don't gather, don't go to bars. And in fact, you could be part of the solution because you know technology better than anyone else. Sanjay, so the CDC last night were recommending no gatherings of more than 50 people for eight weeks. Today, the White House suggested no gatherings of more than 10 people. Uh, It seems at times the White House has more than 10 people on that stage doing briefings at any one time. These are obviously still guidelines. They're not mandates. But how important is it that there are nationwide recommendations? Because, you know, it seems I don't it just seems kind of ad hoc of the CDC says, oh, yeah, 50 or, 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 or larger. Now it's 10 or larger. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the, these numbers are, are a bit arbitrary, as, as you point out. I mean, the numbers have been shifting all over the place. And, uh, you know, ultimately, I think the goal is to get people as, you know, get, get as much space, you know, the social distance between people as possible. And I think to Dr. Wen's point, I, you get the sense now from a strategic standpoint that, you know, instead of making all these recommendations at once, uh, be, because it might be sh- too shocking maybe for the country, they're sort of, they're slowly layering these things things out. Like in two weeks from now, I think when I saw Dr. Fauci come up to the lectern and talk about that, I think, you know, in two weeks, um, we might see the the recommendations become even a little bit more stringent. So who who knows? We're going to get through this, but, you know, it's not going to be just two weeks. I think we're going to see a a gradual sort of tightening of some of these recommendations. And and frankly, um, you know, gradual, uh, gradual not, it's better to have things tighter Sooner, because yeah. the, the, the more the, the more uh, the less chances this virus has to spread yep. long term, the better we will all be. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really true. And, you know, you, if you're going to do these types of measures, you want to do them early uh, because that's when you're going to have the most impact. And it's really interesting to see this play out in real time, Anderson, because that that is the right sort of public health thing to do. But I think that, you know, we've seen this all along. There's this balance between um, what is the public health sort of uh, best thing, gold standard to do versus uh, trying to, you know, uh, not sh- not shock the country, you know, sort of coordinate that with the messaging overall. Um, I just want to point out earlier, I said that it was believed that an airline captain uh, may have tested positive for, for the virus. That, that is not the case. We're just learning now what's happening, according to two passengers, is that while a plane was just taking uh, taxing for takeoff at JFK, a passenger learned that someone they had been in contact with had just tested positive for the virus. That passenger alerted a flight attendant. They immediately stopped on the tarmac. And here's what the captain just announced. We have been in the presence of somebody confirmed to have COVID-19. No symptoms. That pastor is being questioned. The information will be supplied to the CDC. They will make a decision what becomes of this flight and the rest of us. So uh, at this point, all I can say is just please be patient while we work through this and, uh, and figure it out. We'll give you as information as we know as soon as we know it. Um, so this sort of incident sort of raises the issue about planes. And we, we all talked about this yesterday. You know, planes right now, domestically, 
uh, are exempt from the guidelines that 10 or even 50, I mean, there's no mandatory guidelines. So, but I mean, right. if, if there's 50 people on a plane or 20 people on a plane, that's more than the, the guidelines the White House says of 10 people or the CDC says of 50 people. So do you think it's inevitable that domestic plane flights will stop? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take that. I mean, you know, I think that that's been something that uh, people have sort of, uh, they thought that might even be announced today. Uh, they said they didn't get to there, although they didn't table it either. Uh, they said it's still on the table in terms of a possibility. It is interesting, right? Gatherings of 10 people, uh, but, but planes obviously have more than 10 people typically. I think, you know, again, this is a bit arbitrary, but I think gatherings of 10 people, people mingling with each other, having closer contact versus sitting in, in rows on a plane, I, they're making distinction here, Anderson, but we may see some increased recommendations even with regard to airline travel. One of the things they said in, in, the, uh, in the actual guidelines, which I have here, is avoid discretionary travel, shopping trips, uh, and social visits. So they said, you know, uh, you know, try to make your travel only for essential things, but again, still just a recommendation. Yeah. Uh, doctors, if you can, just I, stay. I, oh, I sorry, go ahead, doctor. Sorry, I, I agree, too, about the question of discretionary, because I think maybe what's been happening is that so many people are saying, oh, well, now we don't have to go to school, so we're going to do playdates. We're going to do parties. Right. That's, what we should be, that's what we should be cutting out. Yeah. Right. Yeah, a good point. Uh, doctors, uh, stay with us. Uh, for most of the show tonight, Dr. Gupta and Wen uh, will be here answering your questions about the coronavirus and how to protect yourself, something that we've been doing to combat the fear and the misinformation. There's so many rumors floating out there. Uh, I've got, literally got people coming up to me uh, on the streets today within three to six feet and, you know, asking me questions. Uh, and I'm certainly no expert. Uh, so we were going to keep the doctors around. We also have a live report from the White House. It was a different President Trump that we saw today, thankfully, compared to previous news conferences on the coronavirus. We'll have reaction when we return. Before the break, we mentioned President Trump talking uh, or taking a more serious tone today, referring to experts and making some frank admissions about the state of the economy and how long this pandemic may last. He also appeared to walk back a comment he made just yesterday about the coronavirus being under, quote, tremendous control, though he denied that's actually what he said yesterday. Here's what he said yesterday, followed by what he said today. It's a very contagious virus. It's uh, incredible, but it's something that we have uh, Tremendous control of But you're not saying it's under control, right? I'm not referring to it, meaning the... Yeah, if you're talking about the virus, no, that's not under control for any place in the world. I think I read... I think I read... No, I didn't. I was talking about what we're doing is under control, but I'm not talking about the virus. So actually, he said we have tremendous control over it. Jeremy Diamond is at the White House with a possible reason for the president's new tone today. So... Um, what do you account for for the tone? I mean, it's certainly different from what we heard from President Trump in the last you know, many weeks. Uh, it certainly is, Anderson. Look, we've seen this president repeatedly downplay this pandemic over the course uh, of, of this outbreak, uh, including yesterday when you saw where he was saying that this was totally under control. And we saw that dramatic shift in tone uh, today where the president really seemed to acknowledge the gravity of the situation, acknowledging uh, how bad this virus is and the impact that it will have on Americans' daily lives. And that's why we saw him issue that guidance today to Americans on what they can do to mitigate the spread. Now, what I'm told is that uh, the president's shift in tone 
really underscored a shift among top officials inside the White House over the last couple of days. Uh, as officials saw uh, those number of cases surging over the weekend after the number of tests that were being issued and carried out were also rising, uh, the administration really began to understand how bad this situation was. Uh, one administration official telling me that the scale of the problem really became more apparent. And as the scale of the problem became more apparent, we saw some of the administration's top uh, public health officials uh, really increasingly making the case uh, to the president's coronavirus task force that they needed to do something beyond travel restrictions, uh, beyond what we have seen them do so far, and instead uh, now taking that top-down approach uh, to encourage Americans to really make changes to their daily lives. You're also hearing the president has been very focused on, on how further restrictions uh, could affect the economy. Yeah, well, listen, we know that the president has been uh, extremely concerned about the economy throughout all this. This is a re-election year, Anderson, uh, and the president knows that he needs a strong economy in order to, to, to get his uh, next uh, four years. That is very much in question now as a result of all of this. And so the president at times has been spurred on by bad economic news, seeing that as a, as a, a reason to act further. Uh, but over the weekend, we're told that there were some officials who were arguing that these more severe restrictions on daily life for Americans, that that could really have an even worse economic impact. But the president, apparently, uh, we are told, was swayed ultimately by the argument that these steps needed to be taken now, uh, if not the economic ramifications in the long term, would be much more severe. And is the White House considering stricter guidelines, um, you know, that like, like a, a national curfew? Look, the president was asked about that today, whether he was considering some kind of a national uh, quarantine or a national uh, lockdown of, of some kind. Uh, the president said that at this time, that is not something that is under consideration for him. But he did say that what he is looking at and what he is considering is uh, targeted at specific areas, specific hotspots uh, around the country. But we should note, Anderson, that the president certainly did not rule anything out. And even as the president was issuing these guidelines that are about changing Americans' uh, daily lives for the next 15 days, I, I think I think it was quite clear uh, inside the White House briefing room today that all of this could be extended. You know, the president was talking about this pandemic in the United States running through July, maybe even August, uh, and perhaps even later to, than that, according to some public health experts. Uh, so it's quite clear that the impacts on Americans' daily lives will be severe, uh, and the president seems prepared uh, to take further steps uh, beyond what we have already seen him uh, do today. Anderson. Right. Jeremy Diamond, uh, thanks very much. I want to bring in two veterans of the Obama White House, CNN senior political commentator David Axelrod served as a senior advisor to the presidency and political commentator Jen Psaki, a former White House communications um, director. What do you make of the president's, I mean, the president you saw today versus what we have seen over the last couple of weeks? Well, he certainly changed his tone. He seemed to be a little bit more serious today. However, having worked in the White House for eight years, the public reaction and public panic shouldn't be the trigger for you taking a serious tone for the first time. And, you know, as I've watched this over the past few weeks, I've been struck by the fact that the White House appears and the president appears to be weeks behind what public messaging needs to be, um, because the, the American people are looking to the White House, Democrats, Republicans, independents for accurate information and consistent information. And we're just seeing a lot of inconsistency. And having spent the last couple of days at home with my neighbors or talking to my neighbors across the street, people don't know what to think. They're confused. They don't know what they should do, how serious this is, how long it will last. There was more information today, but I think there's still a long way for the White House to go. Um, and the president, I mean, he deferred a lot more today to, uh, again, to, to the experts. Yeah. You know what I found kind of astonishing about Jeremy's report is that they became persuaded in the last couple of days that this is as serious as, as it is. 
You know, I got secret briefings every day on television from Dr. Fauci and others for weeks talking about how serious this is. And I think the president is just accustomed to trying to spin these things. And you can't, as we've said before, can't spin a pandemic. But the danger here is the solution to this, or at least the the answer to keeping it from peaking in a way that crashes our health care system, is to enlist the public. And you can't enlist the public if you're sending mixed messages about how serious this is. They've been trying to do that, the professionals. The president has been sending the message that it isn't as serious as people are saying. And so it's good, you know, that he's arrived at this point now. But it's unfortunate that it took so long. Well, I mean, what, what is I mean, what's what's I mean, I don't know if it's criminal, but in any kind of situation like this, if you look at the 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 crisis in Wuhan, mm-hmm. had Chinese officials acted, local officials acted more expeditiously the first week, they can now trace how many lives would have been saved, how many people would not have gotten sick if action that was taken one week had been taken the, the week prior. The same will be the case here. As the president was entertaining Diamond and Silk and, and commenting on what great celebrities they become and that this virus is just going to, you know, maybe miraculously disappear, um, you know, Decisions could have been made, plans taken, you know, choices made that would have already impacted this virus. That's exactly right. And well, different. I mean, the people in China didn't have information because the Chinese government was blocking it. And in this case, the United States government is sharing inaccurate, not not everyone, obviously not Dr. Fauci, but the president of the United States, the person people look to at these times of crisis is sharing inconsistent, sometimes inaccurate information. And the public is hearing what they want to hear. Sometimes that means I can still go to a bar. I can still go to a restaurant. And that's very dangerous. What's also strange to have a situation like this where the people around the president, the coronavirus task force, seem to at least have to spend a certain percentage of their public time in front of Americans praising the president and sort of acknowledging his great leadership in order to kind of keep him mollified, I assume, because there's no other explanation for it to waste time in front of the American public with what you're telling. You know, you could answer four more questions about the virus that people may have while you're wasting time talking about the president's bold, strong, you know. Yeah, well, this of this is, of course, the nature of Donald Trump. But uh, the frustrating thing here is and where his limitations show so uh, dramatically is that this isn't about him. It's not about him. It's about us. He needs to enlist the American people and recruit them into a, a shared community effort to deal with with this problem. And instead, he's worried about his grades. You know, today he said he he got 10 out of 10. You know, you, the, his quite a curve. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> larger than the curve we see on these on these on these right. uh, charts. Also signing, you know, the uh, a printout of the stock market rise, you know, and giving it out to his friends. Yeah. Uh, David Axelrod, Jen Psaki, thank you. Just ahead, I'm going to talk with the governor who's taking some new moves, uh, some more moves to stop the spread of the coronavirus in his state. Measures on top of calling out the National Guard. There are some stark examples tonight of states and localities taking steps to help mitigate the spread of the virus. As we reported at the top of the program, authorities in the San Francisco area have ordered all residents to shelter, shelter in place beginning at midnight local time. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy has not only called out the National Guard, he's asking residents, all non-essential personnel, to remain inside from 8 p.m. until 5 a.m. That includes himself, so he joins us now from home. Governor Murphy, appreciate you taking time to uh, talk to us. The executive order you issued today, what other restrictions have you put in place and why take that step now? Anderson, good to be with you. We started meeting on this in January. We formed a whole of government task force, I think, on February 2nd. 
and we've tried to stay out ahead of this as best we could. And today is just another uh, number of steps in that direction, and although, although today there were a lot of ones, calling up the National Guard, closing all schools, public and private, including higher education, closing any non-essential businesses after 8 p.m. Uh, restaurants and bars are from 8 p.m. tonight onward till further notice, eliminating eat-in, their takeout and delivery only, as you mentioned, travel around the state between 8 p.m. and 5 a.m. every day uh, for only essential travel. Um, we, we've got to break the back of this curve. We've got to flatten it. If we do that, we take pressure off our health care system. Uh, while this may be painful, the alternative is a lot more painful. And, and th this is another series of steps we're taking in that direction. You said that that the 8 p.m. to 5 a.m. order, it's not a curfew. It's a strong recommendation. Do you see a circumstance where you would have to end up with a curfew or, or are there other restrictions you're thinking of imposing? You know, we we imposed a maximum of 250 people gathering in one place. We've now lowered that to 50. I made a point earlier today that no one appears to have willfully violated. Eight people willfully violating uh, the, the travel around the state or the 50 person max or the non-essential uh, uh, entities not closing at 8 p.m., we will take aggressive action. Earlier today, you said that New Jersey is, quote, woefully short on hospital beds. Um, how do you go about solving that problem? What, what else are you lacking? I mean, when it comes to medical equipment, where are you on respirators, other essential equipment? Listen, we're like most states. We're short. Um, We've been asking uh, the federal government had have a good uh, back and forth over the past couple of weeks with the vice president. We were with the president and vice president today. Our three asks are personal protective equipment. Uh, we got some of our asks from the strategic stockpile, but we need more. Uh, we need boots on the ground. That's part of the reason we called up the National Guard. I'm happy to say FEMA has designated New Jersey as one of its first 12 states to put boots on the ground. That will help us with drive-through testing. And thirdly, Anderson, uh, we're going to need an enormous amount of help to get the economy back on its feet uh, for workers, for small businesses, for all of us, probably not unlike any other state, but the economic impact here is severe. For the National Guard, what do you see them doing? And can you foresee a, a situation where, uh, obviously, the military, that's not your purview, that's the federal government, but but National Guard of setting up field hospitals, whether it's for, you know, triaging and treating uh, patients with the virus or other concerns, perhaps not emergency concerns that would then free up hospitals more. Yeah, we're clearly not there yet. We've got a, a sort of a series of of uh, of uh, realities in terms of hospital beads, but uh, in, in, an, in an eventuality, could we see that? Absolutely. National Guard uh, could play any number of roles, some of which include making, helping us deliver food to those kids whose only hot meal or best meal of the day has been heretofore through the school system, helping us on the intake upfront side of testing. So at some of these drive-through testing areas. And to your question, uh, repurposing closed wings of hospitals, or, or hospitals that have been closed in their entirety, or repurposing dormitories for 
potential quarantine use. So the National Guard, we can envision playing a whole range of of roles as we could see our federal partners. As I mentioned, FEMA is going to come in in specific on the testing side, and that's where we probably need the help the most right now. Uh, Just finally, you know, there's a lot of folks who are going to be in their homes who uh, are working from home or may, you know, soon be out of work. Do you have and and, and want to get involved, want to help other people? What advice do you have for people who want to feel like, what can I do to help? There's a lot of folks who are out there wanting to be good citizens. What what is your advice to them? Listen, we've got an extraordinary state and we've got as big a heart as any state in America. Uh, There's a lot of anxiety, understandably, and our job is to be straight with people, to make sure they know we're going to get through this together as one family, to wherever we can lessen that anxiety. Uh, And there's an incredible spirit of goodwill. Uh, And we don't, I, I can't read off a whole series of programs sitting right now, but I promise you there's going to be lots of ways to help. And as I say, New Jersey's got as big a heart as any American state. And as long as we each do our part, and that's the important thing, all of us, including yours truly, have to do our part. As long as we do, we will get through this together and stronger than ever before. Uh, Governor Murphy, uh, I appreciate you, uh, you talking to us, and uh, I wish you the best in these difficult times. Thank you. Thanks, Anderson. I want to turn back now to uh, our two medical experts, Dr. Sanjay Gupta and Dr. Lena Wen. They're going to uh, take your questions on the coronavirus. The doctors did precisely this during our two past town halls, and the response was overwhelming. We should note we're going to do another coronavirus town hall this coming Thursday night from 10 p.m. until midnight Eastern. Uh, if you want to send us video questions, please do uh, at, uh, to, to CNN. Let's get the, uh, to the questions we have tonight. Matt Arnold from Dallas, Texas, has a question. Matt, go ahead. Hi, guys. I'm uh, just curious, uh, has anyone or could anyone get reinfected after recovering from uh, COVID-19? Yeah, great question. Doctor, doctors? Uh, Sandra? Yeah. So, you know, there was some reports of this uh, early on that maybe some patients uh, had recovered from from the coronavirus infection and then become reinfected. You know, it doesn't seem like that's actually likely. That may have been just a a problem like the patient that we talked to, Anderson, who still had coronavirus in his system some, what, 28 days now, I think? You remember we talked to him last Thursday? So uh, it's more likely to be something like that. Typically, after you develop an infection like this, it's kind of like getting vaccinated. You, you, You should... Uh, actually have some immunity to getting infected again. We don't know for sure. It's a new virus, but that's what should happen. Yeah. Ben Sharp from Annandale, Virginia, sent us this video question. It's been suggested that we stock up on essentials such as food and bottled water. Now, food, I understand, but why bottled water? Are we really expecting the water supply to be contaminated? It's a great question. I've got a lot of people ask me this question. Dr. Wen, will you take this? Sure. I went to the grocery store earlier today and toilet paper and water are out. And these are not items that should be out for this type of emergency. We do tell people to have a two-week supply of water, drinking water, for all emergencies, if there's a hurricane or some or bad weather. But there's no reason why we should believe that water will be affected for coronavirus. Yeah, Sanjay, you, you, you know, again, this is not, you know, the water from your tap is not going to go out. The water supply is right. not affected. The electrical grid is not affected. 
Yeah, I mean, people typically think of this when you have a national emergency and FEMA's involved, you think of storms and, you know, the possibility of those things going out. So maybe that's the sort of just the, the reaction that people typically have to go buy these types of things. But, yeah, th there is no evidence that, it, that this is uh, contaminating the water supply or that it's transmitted through water. Yeah. Uh, this next question from uh, Eric Beeson in Carlisle, uh, Massachusetts. Eric, go ahead. Hi. I noticed that the um, approach at this point is um, social distancing, which will level out the curve and, and probably defer when some of us actually get this. But as contagious as this is, I assume that we all are going to get it. It would be interesting to know what, the, what people are actually dying from. Is it from um, pneumonia or whatever? And how do we prepare, given we have a little extra time here against that? And then if we do get it, what is our best course of action? What should we be uh, doing as a practice to recover quickly. Okay, great questions, Eric. Uh, sorry, uh, Sanjay? Well, you know, let, let me take the, the sort of middle question, uh, because we get this a lot, this idea of what actually is happening in the body when someone gets this infection. And uh, Anderson, we, we created this animation to sort of give you some idea. So take a look. <clears throat> That's the coronavirus you're looking at. As it enters healthy cells, it uses the cells to make copies of itself and then the infection spreads. It also triggers the immune system to try to kill the virus and attack infected cells, including ones in the lungs. That battle inside the body causes inflammation, and in severe cases, that inflammation can lead to pneumonia, organ failure, or even septic shock. Especially for high-risk people, any or all of those can eventually lead to death. Now, I should point out again, you know, this is a novel virus, so, you know, we are still learning things. Uh, it may not always be pneumonia uh, that this is leading to. There has been now some suggestion that these, this virus actually uh, leads to some destruction of these particular lung cells that causes a situation known as uh, ARDS, uh, respiratory distress syndrome. So uh, there, there's different things that are likely happening, but that, that's, that's one example, Anderson. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll have more of your questions and answers from our, our folks when we continue. America's getting back to work. In this new economy, your business needs every advantage to succeed. You need to be smart. And smart companies run on the world's number one cloud business system, NetSuite by Oracle. With NetSuite, you'll have visibility and control over every part of your business, your financials, HR, inventory, e-commerce, and more. It's everything you need, all in one place. Whether you're doing a million in sales or hundreds of millions, NetSuite lets you expertly keep track of every penny. It gives you the agility to compete with anyone, work from anywhere, and run your whole company right from your phone. Over 20,000 companies trust NetSuite to make it happen. Make yours one of them. Learn more by visiting netsuite.com ac360. From there, you can schedule a tour of NetSuite and get their free guide, Seven Actions Businesses Need to Take Now. It's chock full of the top strategies executives are using as America reopens for business. Get your free guide and product tour now at netsuite.com slash AC360. Back now with our medical team, Dr. Sanjay Gupta and Dr. Alina Wen. More of your questions. This is a video one uh, from Jennifer Wilson in California. Let's take a look. If someone who has COVID-19 swims, can he or she transmit the virus to others in the pool? Does this go through water in a pool, if you, chlorine in the pool, assumed? Dr. Wen? 
there's no evidence that COVID-19 could be transmitted through water. So you're not likely to get it by swimming with somebody who is on the other side of the pool. But if that person is next to you and they end up sneezing on you, then you could still get coronavirus that way, too. So I mean, if they sneeze in your face, not like underwater, though, well, anyway, that's probably too complicated. <laughs> I don't know what the science exactly. of underwater sneezing is. Uh, the next... Can you sneeze underwater? Uh, well, I don't know. Actually, yeah. I guess anyway, you <laughs> uh, it's a dumb thing for me to even bring up. Uh, this is from uh, from a uh, Bobby in Tennessee. Let's listen. Does the virus die after it runs its course in an infected person, or does it continue to live? And if it does, is that person still contagious? It's hmm. a really interesting question, um, Sanjay. Yeah, no, you know, uh, I think this virus need, needs a host, uh, you know, and, and, and in this case, we are the host. So uh, once the host, uh, if the host dies, then the, the virus typically doesn't live. There are some pathogens, to the person's point, which can persist after someone dies, and they can be very careful, for like example. Like Ebola. During, uh, Ebola, I mean, that, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, during autopsies and during, you remember, Anderson, during burials, uh, burials, you have to be very careful with, with Ebola. Um, but I think, uh, and Dr. Wendy, correct me if I'm wrong, I think with this one, um, it needs a host. And, and if some, you know, that when the host dies, the virus should not be able to live. Dr. Wendy, do you agree? That's exactly right. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think if the person is alive and they end up recovering, there is still the chance that they could pass it on to somebody even right. if they have no symptoms. And that's important for us to consider, too. So, you know, we're just got a minute or two left here. Um, what do we know now that we didn't know, Sanjay and, 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 and Dr. Wen, when, you know, two weeks ago when we started doing town halls on, on this? I mean, it seems like tonight, uh, based on one of the answers to the questions, the notion of is somebody able to get reinfected shortly after they've already been infected? It seems like there's cl- more clarity on that now than there was two weeks ago. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I mean, we do have uh, more clarity on some things uh, such as that, although, you know, there, there are some open questions still. You know, for example, we said the incubation period was closer to 14 days. And Anderson, again, I was really struck by the town hall last week. Dr. Wen, you were there as well. Uh, gentleman says after 28 days, he is still, uh, you know, showing positive testing when, when, they're, when they're swabbing his nose for this coronavirus 28 days later. So there are things that we continue to learn. I think we have a better idea of just how contagious this is. It's measured by this thing called the r naught, uh, something that people may have been reading a lot about over the last month. But basically, how, how many people is one person likely to spread it to? And it's somewhere between two and three. And flu, for just sake of references, you know, I just I think 1.28 I read. So this is more contagious than flu. I think we're still figuring out exactly what the fatality ratio is. We I don't think we still have clear vision on that, especially in this country, again, because we haven't done a lot of testing yet. Uh, I think that's going to become clearer over the next several days and weeks. And, and it still and we is. we still don't know. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, doctor. No, I was just going to say, we still don't know what the actual spread of this disease in the U.S. is. Now that we're doing more testing, we're seeing more cases, but we still yeah. haven't done surveillance testing to yeah. find out all the undetected cases that may be out there, too. Yeah, because we don't have enough tests, we can't do really good surveillance because we can't track, uh, we don't know all the people who have it. Um, again, the fact that we're still talking about testing and getting tests out there is infuriating. Uh, doctors, thank you very much. Of course, thanks uh, to all who submitted questions. We could not get to all of them, but we're going to get another chance. I said earlier, the response to our town halls and the coronavirus has been hardening. Um, a lot of people telling us uh, they're getting good information, so we want to keep doing that. We're holding another CNN Global Town Hall, Coronavirus Facts and Fears. 
this Thursday, 10 p.m. until midnight Eastern time. Uh, send us your video questions uh, for for that. Uh, you can send them to my Instagram at uh, Anderson Cooper or uh, DM me or, uh, or or anywhere at CNN. Still ahead, how two children are bringing smiles to neighbors in these unsettling times through music. A lot going on, quite a lot today. Let's check in with Chris. He's working out for Cuomo Primetime. Chris? All right, so first, what I'm going to put a little bit to the side, um, Coop, which are these headlines about the president changing tone. The fact that he is now where everybody has been for yeah. two weeks, it's like, welcome uh, to the pandemic. Uh, I don't know that, you know, I'm not going to spend so much time on that. I'm going to bring in my brother, obviously, the governor of New York, uh, about what the real deal is and what's still coming our way. Uh, the idea of, you know, what do we need to do, you and me, everybody else, uh, what will these states still have to handle and what does it mean? What is the need coming our way? See if we can get some straight answers uh, from my brother. He certainly, um, you know, knows the answers to the questions. Now we're going to have Mike Chertoff. Remember him? Head of Homeland Security under Bush. Uh, what does he see as the variables here from a national security issue? Is the economic insecurity of so many being out of work at the same time? We've never seen anything like it since the Great Depression. What's the security issue there? What has to be done? That's what we'll be doing. Yeah. Uh, Chris, thanks. I'll see you then uh, a couple of minutes from now. Four minutes. Exactly. Up next, neighbors helping neighbors. A reminder of the good that does exist, even when things seem so bad. It can be difficult to find any good news in the avalanche of warnings and shutdowns and the abrupt vanishing of what used to be normal life. But we want to leave you tonight with a glimpse of sunlight. The Columbus Dispatch reports that in the suburb of Collinsville, two kids held an impromptu cello concert on the porch of a 78-year-old neighbor's. Uh, she sat on her porch at a safe distance and listened as her young neighbors, a boy and girl, siblings, just six and nine, dressed in their best, did a performance for her. Listen. Neighbors helping neighbors. We are all in this together. The news continues. Let's hand it over to Chris for Cuomo Prime Time. Chris. 